0: On today's episode of Project Pundits Unplugged, Jim gets in touch with his wild side. I, I'm i picturing uh, just a giant bear who's like, Bruh! and I'm like, I have to be honest with you, that is probably not far, far off from reality as if that bear was wearing a, a CPAP mask and like, you know, the hoses like were- So it, some- came
1: out, it came out more like- <laughs> hey.
0: We learn the value of praise. And that's why I don't give out praise, for that same reason. Um, I, so when I do uh, praise well, people, agree it's much its much one. more appreciated. Oh... Brayden is hot stuff.
1: Ow. Ow. That is burning. Like, uh, I can't... hold I mean, it's that.
0: look. You should have just let it go. Now, I, I would never want anything bad to happen to you, but... If we were able to catch an exploding GoPro on camera... You would be rich, and I, you know, and it would it would make the pod go pretty far.
1: It it'd just be like it'd be awesome. You, that's I mean, really it, I just
0: I, like I, if 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 you only superficially got hurt, I think we could both agree that 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 might be worth it.
1: I love the way you phrased that. If I only superficially got hurt,
0: but still got hurt, well, that's you, what's important. Yeah, I would idea. assume if something exploded, someone would be All right. Welcome to this next episode. We are uh, beyond excited to be recording. It's It's been a little bit. Uh, we've, in the meantime, which doesn't match up with when you'll be hearing this episode, but we. Uh, it turns out that to actually do this thing we're doing that you're listening to is quite a bit more effort than you would think on the surface. Um, uh, it's not just the uh, the in- incredible amount of time we clearly put into scripting and making the show beyond entertaining. That That is a lot of effort, right? But uh, um, I will say that uh, the effort Braden had originally put in on uh, the first several shows to edit the video and fix my audio and all my other problems on the cameras and everything else, and then merge it together and then cut and clip and make it look like it was seamless. That turns out it's not an easy thing to do. And then you got to create it all. And then turns out that it's not as simple as pressing a button and uploading it somewhere. Turns out that that entire thing is a lot of work too. And so, I hope everybody appreciates how much effort it is just just to get a 30-minute video out every two weeks. Jim,
1: it sounds like you need a project (laughs) manager for this project management podcast, for crying out loud. Hire a
0: PM. So one thing, one one lesson not related to the topics we're going to cover today, which has to do with uh, influence versus control and then stress management as it relates to that, but lesson uh it's not a lesson i think both of us always knew this was a a a thing uh, as you progress in your career but when you have the ability to delegate certain tasks out to people who either may be more efficient or you know it's it's a way of balancing your tasks delegation so we've delegated and uh we'll give a shout out to our brand new editor richie um who's uh helping us out with video editing um, and we've had some people help out with some of the other tech stuff. So that's been a huge help. Anyways, a little bit of background uh, as we jump into this week's episode. I do want to do one more housekeeping thing. Braden and I talked about it a little bit in the pre-show uh, stuff we do, but um, that we've started to get some feedback um, and some good feedback, some honest feedback. And uh, um, I think that's always good because if if you start to veer off in a direction where this doesn't do it for people at all. We we want to know these things, so um, keep that good and positive feedback coming, or even a negative feedback. But uh, no, it's it's Everybody's been great and very supportive in this as well. So I know I want to thank everybody and all my friends, family, and everything else. Um, I'm sure Braden feels the same. So.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, and today actually is going to be a really interesting topic. Um, there's some fun stories in this one. Yeah. So, um, Jim had hinted, we're going to talk a little bit about one of the most common things that you're going to see, um, within project management, um, is you, uh, more often than not are in a position to influence rather than to control the team and the people that you're working with. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that means in terms of project management, some of the funny stories and, and, uh, ideas and ways that that you can deal with some of the challenging um, people that you're influencing as opposed to controlling, Um, and and then how to deal with your personal life when some of those things are causing you stress. Um, So so starting with a little bit um, matrix management, as a project manager, as a program manager, you rarely are going to be someone who is actually in control of the teams that are doing the work. Um, I I would say for the initiatives that I've run, that's probably more than 95% of the time that the people that I work with, they don't report to me. I don't do their end of year reviews. I don't determine their compensation. I have no direct control over what they do. Um, instead, I'm delegated a set of resources that are doing work in support of the project, but whose reporting relationship is outside of my organization, outside even of my hierarchy. Lots of times there are different organizations, usually different organizations. And um, as a project manager, everything that I do for the good of the project is through influence as opposed to through directly controlling them. Uh, we're not really going to spend a lot of time talking about how you do good, you know, controlling of resources because that's really the, the exception as opposed to the rule. When you're doing matrix management, um, you really you, you have, I'll say, a kind of a good path and a bad path. Right, the good path is where everyone says, "Yes, we're on board. We totally want to do this work. My manager has given me clear direction, and therefore, just tell me what to do, and I'm going to do it." Actually, believe it or not, I've had an occasional project where that's happened. And, and when you have, I'll say, good actors or good faith actors on your project, all you have to do in that case is be really clear on on your communication. It's really three areas, right? You, you tell them, here's what we're doing. You tell them their role, what they're supposed to do to help accomplish what you're trying to do overall. And then you just keep reminding them of what their role, where we are, and what they continue to need to do or, or how they're tracking against what they're supposed to do. That's the happy path when everyone says, yay, we're on board. We want to do this.
0: So I, before yeah, you Tim, get into it, just, I, 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 would, I would also add, if you possibly, if in fingers crossed, you can actually explain to people the why of why you're asking them to do it, that is always helpful as well. You don't always have that. We've talked about that, right? Yeah. We, the giving people a vision. What's your role and all that. Yeah. And how they fit into it.
1: That's a great point, too. So so I, I really omitted that, right? I started with the what, what you're doing, what their role is and reminding of it. But you're right. You should start with why you're doing what you're doing, because that it, we, we did talk about that in an earlier uh, show. But but that is really critical as well. So that was that was a good add. Um, there are then, of course, um, then, then you deal with, OK, how do I deal with those who don't want to be here? Don't want to do the work that they've been assigned to do, and um, and are not willing necessarily partners in the matrixed work that you're trying to accomplish. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share. I'll call it two categories of ways that you can influence people to help them in this matrixed environment. The first is I'll call it motivating by fear. Right. You could call this. Fear and love, you can call it uh stick and carrot. There there are lots of different ways, however, you think about it. One of the ways is fear. Now, now obviously, we don't mean you know threatening them with bodily harm, but yeah, just mental they're... and
0: and you never know, mind. No, 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 go, go on, Braden's uh, you know, Braden's you know, he carries the stick.
1: Two, oh boy, that's yeah, so. I'll say, I, I'll, I will say this, right? I do tend to be more, uh, to, to often motivate. Well, I, I should say, I actually motivate by both. But you can even motivate both at the same time. We'll talk about that in a second. But um, a, a couple of the ways that you motivate by fear. The first way is um, you motivate individuals. You motivate them by showing them that there could be impact to their job security, their paycheck, et cetera, if, they, if they're not willing to be a willing partner, right? If, if they're not willing to do the work that they've been asked to do. Um, the, the techniques that you're using there are typically things like, um, I'm gonna copy their boss on an email. You don't wanna do this first thing, by the way, and you wanna have a really slow workup to these sort of things, but if you have to do it, copying their manager to say, hey, I'm really trying to get this guy to work for, you know with me and, and we're struggling, um, publishing reports, right, bad lists, uh, a, a, an email to all of the people involved to say, hey, I've gotten everyone's, uh, you know, information except for these three people. Um, the, the fear there is more, hey, if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to, I'm going to get a bad review at the end of the year, it might impact my, my paycheck, etc. Um, on, on more of an executive level, it's not so much fear to what their end of the year review or things like that is going to be. Right. Um, but you can actually influence executives through, I've, I found it very effective through peer pressure. Um, executives are motivated by things like organizational perception. They're, they're motivated by, um, am I going to, I'm going to have risk that I'm not going to have opportunities in the future to be able to increase my influence or to, to increase my organization. Um, and, and so peer pressure works well. And and the way that you can create peer pressure is by creating things like dashboards, dashboards that are attached to leaders or organizations. And when I say, hey, here are the organizations and here who is it, here's who's in first place, second, you know, here's who's in last place. And when leaders are all together, no one wants to be in last. None of us, leaders, are not. No one wants to be in last place and show, hey, here's your name and here's the smallest bar, right, or the biggest bar, depending on you know how you've organized the graph. Um, Even gamifying it, right, and showing and saying, hey, it's a race. These guys are doing fantastic Uh, in in the security space. Had had a group, uh, you know, uh, there's there's uh, security. Uh, the, the, there's flaws or challenges that folks are trying to remediate across the organization. You show that, you know, here's who has the largest number of flaws by organization and everyone tries essentially in a competition to get them to the lowest. So uh, motivating, motivating either through peer pressure, uh, you know, or through, or through concern over job secure. Those are, those are things that that can be effective on, on the other side of things, wait, which wait, wait, I wait, like to me, start with, well, go ahead. chime Jim. in a go little ahead. bit. So all I right, think,
0: I, I, uh, yeah, I, before you get all positive, um, uh, well, you like to finish, you like to leave a good taste in people's mouth. I, I, I think I do want to go back to our, our prior episode, I, I and this is just top of mind for me. Here, here's what I'll the, tell you. The the mafia is that no, no, no. That's that's uh, no. no well, Moff, uh, mob adjacent. The you mob adjacent. That wasn't this <laughs> I've never had to leverage anything like that. Yeah, just uh, waking up to like a horse head in your bed type of thing. Ah! Ah! Although, there have been there's oh. certainly been times where. Oh, oh I, I've thought Jim, about I, it.
1: Well, no, Jim, I had someone pull me in their office, and I mean, so so this type of motivation does exist. I had someone pull me in the office and say some very intimidating things, things that I was extremely uncomfortable with. That I couldn't, I wasn't even comfortable going to HR like that. Happens. That does happen. It
0: does happen. It's happened to me, and and yeah, and unfortunately, um, my my preferred method is to be less direct and Im- imply. I'm like Did you like, t- Hey, you <laughs> no. took it that way. That was not how I meant it. I mean, you know, Jim,
1: no. um,
0: no, no, uh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> there are some real good tips, live tips. I, I, if we have time, I'll share, but no, my, my point being two things. So, so I think, I think, you know, at the core of all of this, um, is really trying to understand the people you're dealing with. So there, there's a couple of there's a couple of elements, right? And this, this is really important. And Braden's naturally good at these things and everything else. But understanding where people's heads are at, like where, like, it, it, just understand a person. And and a lot of times, people's attitudes have really nothing to do with what you're asking them to do, but it is some a sort of outside influence. Now, you know, if you're really good at reading people and you understand different things, you'll be able to ferret out that they have uh, uh, something going on at home. Maybe they're having relationship issues. Who knows? Uh, or they have uh, just a young child. They don't get much sleep at night. Or, or you know, it could be work related. It could be their car is <laughs> like, who knows? It, it, like people go through a lot of stresses and it represents it comes across sometimes as them being obstinate when working with you. But it's not that. So spend time getting to know people the other thing I wanted to mention, as as it relates to what Braden was saying, in a corporate environment, um, in Braden knows this this very well. There, there, you have to also understand what people are allowed to do within the concept of their role. So, I, I'm just going to be very, very basic. So, so let's just say you have, I'll say four roles, but but really the three I'm talking about, you have an individual contributor role. What they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, and where they take direction, Un- understanding that, that's very different. I'm going to go to the exact opposite and say the senior executive role. They're different as well, influencing them, what they're able to do, who they answer to is way different uh, and whatnot. And then, and then you have the the people who have, I will say, the worst jobs in the world in corporate America. And there's more levels than this, but it's the director level. It's the middle management level where you have all of the responsibility but none of they also do not generally have control about what they're what they need to do or how, a lot of times how they need to do it. So just, you know, have a little bit of empathy on that. Some people in those roles are just a holes. So go to town with the fear in the stick. I say for those people who are just jerks, but uh, but just no. But understanding that next level of motivations will probably could do a whole episode separately on that. But to Braden's point, when you're when you're dealing with an executive versus an individual contributor, the techniques you're probably going to want to use are different. That was that was all I wanted to say with that as context.
1: And Jim, that wasn't that wasn't on the fear side at all. That actually was more on like the the carrot side of things. Right. And and really, there's only two things that I would that I would share there. One is is, you know, and I would do this in addition to any of these, you know, peer pressure or copying other people kind of. Um, approaches is establish rapport, right? That's It's just what Jim was saying. Get to know the people that you're working with at a deeper level than just what you're getting as you're doing transactional discussions about status and stuff like that. I get it. Sometimes you can't, you don't have time to meet with every single human being in the project, but those that you're regularly interfacing with and those that um, are key matrix partners, you have to go, you have to establish rapport with them and it's got to be more than just saying you know, talk to me about this deliverable that you're doing for me. It's gotta be about, hey, do you have time to just talk a little bit about, you know, what you do and what you're like and, and your hobbies and stuff like that. Some people are uncomfortable doing that and that's okay. You can't, you, you don't wanna push them, you know, to, to force them to, to tell, but most folks that I've worked with are happy to do that. Um, for those that you're, you're either maybe experiencing some deeper struggles with, or who, um, who you're really regularly working with, um, then there, then there's really maybe more than that even. It's extracurricular things. Hey, do you want to, you know, go have, have uh, you know, dinner sometime? Do you want to sit down and, and maybe establish a uh, deeper understanding and, and really get to know each other a little bit deeper so that, to Jim's point, as you see them and they're struggling, you understand what's behind that and, you know, certainly have empathy and hopefully can also say, hey – um, let me help or or pick up something so that down down the line when you really need something from them they're more willing to do that. So um, just just some thoughts in terms of of influence. When you can't influence or when you're struggling to be effective, um, and that starts to impact your life and to stress you out, yeah. Um, then there's additional techniques that that we have. I know Jim, you were you going to talk a little bit about some of the. Stress, yeah, stress management techniques.
0: And I, I'm not going to spend a tremendous amount of time in this because there's a, a, a 4 million self-help books that will help you with this as well. And I think part of what we want to get to is is actually uh, maybe reminding or pointing out some, some books and some sources that were helpful to us. Um, I, I do want to say, if you run into a person that is an immovable object, you have to use other potential techniques as well. So if there's someone on your project who's just obstinate, not moving and it's therefore causing your project to not move ahead, you have to manage that. So you have to manage that either by risk management. It like they become a they literally can become a risk. You don't have to name them, but you could you know, write or we could talk about how to write a risk around that. I've I've
1: I've, I've written people's names into risk logs to say yeah. that this person, you know, is either uh, struggling with their role or whatever. I mean, yeah, you, sometimes you have to do that. It might be an internal one. You wouldn't necessarily want to, yeah. uh, you know, call someone uncomfortably out like that, but internally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and sometimes you have to, again, through, through your relationships, they, they sometimes need to be removed out of the critical path of, of that work. Um, you know, but again, I, let's transition into that stress management, right? So I will tell you, if you haven't noticed, I am over in Braden, you know, it's just, thinks that I don't have self-confidence. I, I confident enough, but I am, I'm overweight. And, and, and I, interesting enough, there's, there's an element of my weight that is, uh, stress related. And, and I will tell you in my younger years, especially I was in roles that were ahead of where I was mentally ready to be for a long, like I was a director at 20 years old, like running, like, a team of like 30 people like it was i'd like to think i was intellectually ready for that i was and, not emotionally ready for that weren't
1: you weren't you kind of
0: a jerk too jim at the same time <laughs> it turns out f- i've gotten feedback through the years <laughs> that uh thank uh, that that uh um i i was yeah i was less than <laughs> kind in my approach I, I will tell you going back to another episode get mentors and keep people around you who can give you honest feedback about, especially in your career, what you're gonna do. I, I gotta tell you, there's a couple of people, and the way I phrase it, is they beat the arrogance out of me. <laughs> it's okay to be confident, there's always that line between confidence and and then arrogance, and then, uh, for me, just how you treat people like over time, because I've been, if, especially if you've been treated poorly, you recognize that, Like treat, just try to treat people well, you never know what they're going through and everything else. But anyway, stress-wise, it's not only caused me, so I've had, I've had two back surgeries, partially it was stress because of the muscles and I had slip discs. Thankfully, those surgeries are amazing. That happened in my early twenties. Um, and then I got psoriasis and And I'm being pretty open because this is, this is the type of stuff that can happen. If you, if you take on things and you don't know how to, if you don't have an outlet for that stress or know how to let it go. Right. And it's, and I've never been able to get rid of it, but when my stress level has gone down, you could see. A lot of these conditions go down. So, um, there, there, and, and, and I,
1: I think I internalize less than you, but I've had times where, um, I've had hair that was kind of just falling out. Yeah. Um, uh, losing sleep, right? So you're, you're getting losing sleep. Uh, things things that are happening associated with that, and I'm sure lots of people do. Yeah. But but it's in a project management, especially when you often feel like you're on the hook for things. Yeah. It is really really common. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I so
0: I think, and as a project manager, right? And I think we hit on this, but understand understand accountability and your sponsors. So as a project manager, absolutely, we always talk about being the CEO. I wanna I wanna put a little asterisk on that. You are the CEO. Uh, from a responsibility standpoint, so you've been handed the reins and responsibility to take whatever those goals and objectives are and deliver on them, right? So yeah, that's that's a lot, but ultimately, project managers, I've with very few exceptions, should never be the accountable party. So if you understand that, then um, it makes things better, and you can keep things in perspective. And I think the the big thing around that ties back to something that's been kind. of, I think Stephen Covey was the guy who wrote uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which uh, will flash up and I'll put, you know, link in the show notes. So you can find it if you've never read that book or listened to it, I just re-listened to it ahead of this episode. I, and, and it's, it's if you've listened to it, go back and listen, because it's a reminder and you'll be like, oh, I get it. I remember this, you know, these sphere, there's a sphere of influence. There's a sphere of control, a sphere of influence and a, a sphere of concern, right? And really understanding what's in your control, what you have the ability to influence, and then really, frankly, what you have no ability to influence there, you know, and how you manage those things goes a huge, long way to how stressful, uh, you know, things are when you're managing projects. Because I will tell you, with very few exceptions, unless you're able to structure a project from the beginning, which I think, and I've done I don't know, hundreds, dozens, at least dozens of projects. I can probably name one or two where I've been able to, from the beginning to control the whole definition all the way through. Those have been less stressful projects because you, you kind of set everything up, right. For the most part, there is some element where you don't have control over it yet. You're asked to deliver. So understanding, you know, these, these types of things is hugely important. Um, and then, um, you know, Braden, we are going to talk about a, a few other things around risk management and things like that. But I, I think I, I, I think you know, there's there's probably more techniques than we have time to share with you as it relates to, again, that whole control versus influence. But but really, I I, I think you know, just keeping that perspective was the main point of of sharing this, right? And. Um, yeah,
1: and, and I would say, you know, you, you had just touched base, you know, one of, the, one of the magic things that I know has helped me enormously as a project manager throughout the years, you talked about being responsible versus accountable and clearly outlining who is responsible versus accountable so that um, oftentimes you as a project manager, your goal or your role is to make sure that people transparently see that the accountable party isn't doing what they should be. So if you're not being transparent and sharing that information with the people that need to know, then yeah, then then you've got something to worry about as the PM. If the work's not being done, but you're being perfectly transparent about that, you've you've classified it maybe initially as, as a risk and then eventually as an issue and said, this isn't getting done, I want to let everyone know, now what would you like to do about it? If I've been perfectly transparent and I've been clear, um, then I'm not going to spend emotional energy, you know, losing sleep that it's not getting done because I've done everything that I can to try to solve it myself. To uh, then make sure that the the key stakeholders are aware of it, and then they can accept that risk. They can help me solve that risk. But but in the end, unless I unless I um, have control over that, which I don't usually. Then my job is to to classify it as a risk, make sure people are aware of that. Um, and then I'm not gonna waste emotional energy on it. I'm I'm not gonna lose sleep. I don't know,
0: Jim, if you've had yeah. a different
1: experience than that.
0: No, no. I mean, I've done <laughs> I've I've lost a lot of sleep over these things and and I think also, and this is this is the hard thing about about having a career, especially when you have responsibilities where your paycheck is critical to taking care of yourself and others, right? So Sometimes you will get into situations where there are people who are forcing you to be accountable and you're going to be the fall guy and it's going to be on you yourself as a brand and you. And sometimes it doesn't like not every situation you're in is going to work out. So uh, just from a personal standpoint, if you're in an organization or environment where it's abusive or, you know, it's really setting yourself up for failure, um, like don't don't just sit in there perpetually, make, you know, recognize it, make the change. I, you know that's a little outside of this but I, that's kind of the worst degree there are situations where as much as we tell you don't do these like don't emotionally take it like you know there are some very toxic environments out there and it could be a toxic manager it could be very specific as well but stress is a killer that's that's all I'll say with it um it's brutal so um, you know
1: and i i was going to so so i know the last yeah. The last part kind of following on to, so, so we're talking a little bit about uh, you know kind of influencing uh, versus controlling when we can't, how we manage stress. We also frequently are dealing with people, matrix partners, who are experiencing stress as well, right? And as a project manager, I know in, in my experience, I've had them frequently come to me, even if I'm not their direct manager, to talk to me about these problems, in fact, that's pretty much what a project manager does is listen to problems all day. One of the early things that I had to learn first in my marriage and, and then continually as a project manager, because what applies to my relationship oftentimes my personal relationships applies to my work relationships as well. And that is, uh, when I first got married, my, my sweet wife would share these, these venting sessions with me where she'd tell me about problems that she's having. And, I would just jump in and I'd be like, okay, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna do this and then this and then this. And and you know, it was a point of contention. She's like, What why are you doing it? She didn't understand, she would get frustrated. And and I had to learn. There's a great book on it, right? Called Men are Men are From Mars Wait, no. Men are from Mars, Women Are From Venus, right? And it's a fantastic book that that really helps kind of outline this, and that is um lots of times i want to solve things certainly as a project manager i want to solve things Um, the the whole men uh, versus women it it seems at least by the book that men just want to go in and solve things but um, there are lots of times where people that are coming to you that are talking about their problems aren't necessarily looking for solutions they're looking just for to vent and to talk to you about hey gosh i'm i'm having a problem can you listen for a minute not don't solve it for me. Don't, you know, I just, I just need to tell you about it and kind of work through. And maybe, maybe they even need to process verbally and you trying to jump in for them doesn't necessarily help, right? In, in that point, simply listening can be an incredible benefit to some of the people that you're working with, even if they just process themselves and they come back. If, if when people come, they are genuinely saying, okay, I'm not venting. I, I need help. I don't know what to do. Another common thing that I started off with very poorly as an initial manager and project manager was I would jump in and say, okay, here's how you're going to do it. Look at all my brilliant wisdom. Not really, right? What? In fact, I would say I was being the opposite of wise because by solving the problem for them, I was um, A, robbing them of the opportunity of learning, um, B, setting a really bad precedent in that by solving their problem now great anytime they have a problem and and maybe they get really simpler and simpler they just come to Braden and say yeah sir, solve this problem for me right bad idea no i i had to learn to say when someone came and they, they didn't i would say okay well what thinking have you done so far on this issue tell tell me what what you've done to solve the problem first now it could be that they have zero experience and they truly need a starting point and i might say okay have you thought of, Jim and I were talking about this and he gave this language, it's great language, right? Have you thought about, have you tried, right? And and so not solving, but pointing them in the right direction, saying, go that way, come back and tell me then, you know, where you get, as opposed to just saying, hey, here, here's where it is. And by allowing them that opportunity to, to learn, to grow, um, A, you're still sharing with them, right? You're still sharing to say, hey. Have you thought about? Have you tried? You're you're giving them direction, um, but without, uh, you, you don't want to rob them of the opportunity to try to solve the problem themselves. Certainly, as a as a project manager myself, I never come to anyone when I'm escalating a problem without first having a proposed solution in hand. If I go and I don't have a proposed solution, it means I have absolutely no clue, and I'll I'll even then. I'll show my work, right? I'll say, let me tell you the 10 people I've talked to. Let me tell you the 40 ways I've tried to solve this. I have nothing. None of my ideas seem plausible. Can you help me out? But I wouldn't do it without having done a lot of due diligence. Um, but but I think, you know, kind of helping helping people through listening and helping people through gently directing as opposed to just solving um, is a great way to be able to help others who are struggling with some of these stressful situations as I well. I mean,
0: this took me, these things took me forever to learn. I mean, clearly being divorced and still single and everything else, I still obviously haven't learned these lessons, but um, and um that combined with the fact that I'm fat and everything else is just the, you know. So project management has killed my life is the short lesson of, you know, um, uh, uh, but no, I, I I think, you know, the men are from Mars, women are from Venus had an outsized influence on me when I used to come home. And and I remember when Brayden and I were working together at this company, when I drove home and I got home, I needed 20, 30 minutes of like, don't talk to me time. And I never quantified it. I just used to really get frustrated because your spouse would recognize that you're stressed and want to know like, why are you stressed? How can I help? And I just needed 20 minutes de- decompression time. So on the flip side, and that book describes why that is. And, and, you know, and I, they talk about, he go into your go man to cave. cave, go to man the cave, cave. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, but it's, so it's, there's a lot of good learnings. in there. highly recommend. It's a short read. You could probably read it in one night. I got to tell you the old Andrew Carnegie book, the how to win friends and influence people like, uh, it just it's just so many fundamental, straightforward things in there. If you haven't read it, pick it up, read it. Um, all of those things will help you with this with this whole influence and and whatnot. Um, you know, maybe we'll the art little, of war.
1: Was that the other one that you were recommending? The the art, or? I,
0: I so you laugh. I'm going to I'm going to share another one that All you,
1: war is deception. You yes, can sorry, use
0: a, as a, a look, there are a lot of techniques in this book. You can read it from a defensive or an offensive standpoint. From a defensive standpoint, you could recognize when these techniques are being used and and be aware of them. Also, so the book is called The 48 Laws of Power. Highly recommend it. Highly, highly cannot recommend it enough. See right here, 48 Laws of Power. Um, And he's written a couple of other books. I actually have them right next to one. It's called Mastery. Another is called um, The uh, the Laws of Human Nature, whatever. There's He has other books you can look up. But anyways, he's done a lot of research. And to your point, reading like The Art of War and everything else, he, he kind of looked across a lot of different things and kind of pulled lessons in. It's a great book. Uh, you know, don't just get your uh, wisdom of project management from us. Uh, what we're saying is there's other sources of information. So don't, um,
1: I don't think there's any worry about
0: that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um <laughs> So uh, we're we're uh, very much thank you again uh, for listening. But again, if if you have any any feedback, thoughts, comments, please please send them. Uh, The social media shares we try to share funny clips and different things. Anything you could do to like or share those um, is appreciated. And of course, any referrals uh, is is very much welcome. So any other closing thoughts, Brayden, on on this week's? No, I think
1: that's a wrap right there.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys much, and uh, we'll catch you in the next one.
1: See you guys.